You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome back to the NIL Hotline. Galen Clavio, Olivia Clavio, joining you on this episode. We're back talking NIL stuff. There's a lot going on every day, and we can't possibly keep up. But we might have to start doing more than two episodes a week, given the uh, the torrent of news on the NIL space uh, that's coming down. Olivia, good to see you. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks so much. It's uh, another busy NIL week. Yes, every week is a busy NIL week, uh, but this one may be more so than most. As uh, you, if you missed our last episode, I'd recommend going back and checking that out as we talked about some of the statehouse implications on NIL, on collectives, on just the whole process, and also why there's likely not a federal law coming down the pike anytime soon or maybe ever regarding college athletes and NIL and, and the rights of publicity. So... We talk, Go back, listen to that episode, because I think it's a really interesting discussion. Today, we had a few things that we wanted to chat about. Uh, we had an, a, a question that came in on the pipeline from one of our listeners. We always appreciate questions. You can always send the questions to me, at Dr. GC on Twitter. I promise we'll have some other venues uh, through which you can contact us, but let's stick with that for the moment. Uh, this question from Kathy Amos, who's one of our uh, partners at the Backcomb Network, who uh, co-hosts the uh, the Doing the Work podcast for IU Women's Basketball. But her question was basically this. Uh, if schools can't directly offer NIL money, how are the players seemingly negotiating NIL deals? Can collectives talk to them before they have committed? Um, so this is where we go off of, there's three different things we would look at here. What do the rules say? Um, what what are the practices that are actually occurring? And then you know, what's the reality on the ground in terms of, of how these things are happening? Um, so officially, no, you're not supposed to be able to use NIL as an indu- inducement to get somebody to enroll at a college or transfer to a college, which means that there should be no contact going on. It should be like, oh, I'm transferring on the merits of the school and my own particular interests. And then magically, somehow there will be an NIL deal waiting for me. I think everybody is well aware, Olivia, that that is not how this process works. That's that's correct. That's not how this process works. But um, I think a lot of that thought process is a holdover, that there should be no money involved. And so it's sort of this pie in the sky idea that an athlete is just going to choose a school based on its merits. (laughs) Right. And so the way that this probably plays out, and I think there's actually some different approaches depending on the school. And and one of the issues with talking about this space is that there's not really a one-size-fits-all answer. So in this case, I think you've got an amalgamation of a couple of things. I do think there are schools who are hewing very closely to the NCAA's guidelines, particularly schools that don't have large NIL collectives or are not major players. And, and I do think to some degree they are they are telling athletes, look, we've got NIL that's available for you if you transfer, and then they're getting them hooked up with the collectives or getting them hooked up with the individual deals, uh, not directly, of course, because the athletic departments aren't allowed to do that, in, air, in air quotes. Uh, I do think there's... Uh, there are direct conversations that are happening between athletes and potential NIL uh, partners, whether that is individuals or businesses, but those are happening on almost a private level. They they may have been 
it's one of those where, oh, hey, here's the phone number of this person, and here's the phone number of this person, and then there's a conversation to be had without a middle person in the midst. And this is actually, a lot of times in coaching searches at the college level, it's fascinating because, you know, magically a coach will be named without any news prior official visits or an official interview process. Uh, you know, like when a dean gets hired at a college or university, there's a there's a process of interviewing that is like publicly known uh and then yet magically coaches just pop up and the reason that that occurs is a lot of this goes on between intermediaries and it's this idea that the college or the university athletic department is not directly communicating but there's an intermediary that's communicating to the college or athletic department and then separately communicating with the athlete or the athlete's representatives and you know that is a process that allows for the school to understand okay what are the parameters we're looking at here how much is this person looking for how much are they claiming they're getting elsewhere it also allows the the player to get a sense of whether there's interest from the school uh in terms of that and and what they'd be willing to do from a financial perspective that while technically against the, the the rules here i guess is essentially at least on the letter of the law you're not making the contacts yourself but you are helping a conduit to take place there where information is exchanged between the two. That's right. And, and not only that, but I think especially the the schools and the cities that jumped right on NIL, they already have established deals with uh, athletes at the school. And I think that's also helping with, um, you know, athletes making decisions about where they want to go. And especially if there has been a lot of news surrounding especially which sports at which schools are getting the most NIL money. I also think that that is weighing into the decision. So there's a lot of pieces of news information that are out there that are helping drive decisions so that athletes will probably know, hey, even though they obviously likely have these back channels um, of information, they're also just hearing flat out from sources like ESPN, you know, who is receiving NIL money. And that is definitely going to weigh in that decision and their agents of course are i'm sure having discussions and you know vetting all this information ahead of time as well yeah well and there's a third category which you kind of touched on there which is some schools are now getting these nil relationships established and there are slots that are being left behind by players that are matriculating to the NBA or are transferring to other schools. So let's say hypothetically you had a $100,000 NIL deal that a local construction company had agreed to do with a basketball player on your team. That basketball player is there for a year. They get the $100,000 from the construction company as part of the NIL deal, and then they move on and they declare for the draft and they get drafted. Well, the construction company likely is more interested in maintaining a long-term relationship with the basketball program and providing and maybe even increasing their NIL commitment. And it doesn't necessarily have to be reliant on who the athlete is. And it's more of an idea that now the basketball program, when they're talking to an athlete, even though they're not really permitted to say it, they can intimate very easily that hey you know we've got deals available that we can plug you into and they're looking for the next star that they want to associate with their brand again not really compliant with the spirit of what the ncaa has tried to put forth but it's how business is done at this level and i think for a lot of 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 programs now in the back of your head 
you know, unless you completely botch the relationship with the 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 organization or the business that's giving the money, in the back of your head, it's kind of like a sponsorship deal with a company at the professional level, or it's like, well, they're signed on for X amount of years, and they're going to probably keep renewing that deal. To be able to go into NIL discussions with a potential athlete, you don't have to plug like go send them to the construction company and see if there's a fit. You can just tell the construction company, trust us, we're going to get somebody in there that's going to be worthy of this that you're going to want to be in proximity to. I think that scenario plays out at least somewhat in this process as well. Yeah, I agree because I cannot think of any year in any major sports program where there hasn't been a star at each school. Yeah, even if oh, even if they're only stars in their own mind, but yes, um, it's yes. <laughs> well, they're, they're, the fan base is going to rally around those players that they believe gives their school the best shot of winning a championship. Yep, and that is what these deals are really meant to facilitate is to elevate not only the company but the athlete as well and it creates a different level of uh, fandom really um not just for the school but for you know for the companies as well well and look it's just a different mentality in general at this point and it's this idea that nil payments and nil opportunities end up being part of what your program's overall package is particularly for transfers but also for recruits that are coming in now you know i this is where i think the transfer portal and the recruiting process are a little bit different because it's really hard to fully like say for sure that a recruit is going to come in whether it's football or basketball and contribute right away i think especially with basketball it's you know, it's a little more likely that you might have a, a highly rated freshman who would slide right in and take advantage of an NIL deal. For football, you're going to get that maybe with quarterbacks, but you know, a lot of freshmen don't play or don't play that much in college football, and so there, you, I think the either people who have thrived in the program for a year or two may be able to edge up into better deals, or players that are in the transfer portal who are more proven commodities are going to be looking at schools and for a school to be able to say, look, we have X, Y, and Z available because we know that we've got regular supporters of the athletic department or that athletic program who are willing to continue to give money and they trust us to some degree. And this is where the trust, I think, between the collectives, the businesses, the athletic department, and the individual programs is really going to be important moving forward. You know, one of the reasons why you're seeing athletic departments naming general managers for basketball, uh, you know, in college basketball or naming, having assistant athletic directors who are specifically in charge of managing NIL. It's like, now it's not just a matter of, can we manage your donations or are you giving money under the table to try to get this player or these players there? Now we're managing business propositions where you got the athlete as an independent actor, you got the business as an independent actor, but you have this go-between, which is the collective, and then the collective's relationship with the athletic department and the program and the coaches. That's a very complicated business relationship to try to navigate, Olivia, and it's it's where if you don't have the infrastructure as an athletic department, you can really fall behind quickly. Absolutely, and uh, Gail and I were just talking about this yesterday. We saw at the University of Miami a job post for an assistant athletic director handling NIL deals. And I actually think that is going to be a position that's going to have to open up at every school. Yeah. Um, You know, in a way we've kind of talked about the ecosystem of NIL and all the different opportunities that, that 
are coming from NIL, it's not just for the athletes. There are multiple business opportunities that are popping up for businesses, uh, the collectives, new positions at schools. It's really exciting to see this kind of rise up, <laughs> you know, rise up from from that Supreme Court decision. It's it's a very um, it's a very cool thing to see. It's interesting um, because you look at that 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 uh, it's the the job at Miami. The title is assistant AD for brand development. I'm going to read uh, the description here. Uh, the assistant AD for brand development reports to the senior deputy director of athletics and will lead a comprehensive strategy to maximize NIL opportunities for University of Miami student athletes. Uh, the assistant AD for brand development will coordinate with compliance, digital strategy, development, sponsorship, licensing, marketing, and communications to lead the University of Miami's brand development and NIL program. Uh, this position is responsible for managing relationships with external NIL partners, including Altius, Open Doors, One Team, Fanatics, Adidas, and others. This role will be responsible for progressive leadership with an entrepreneurial spirit uh, in developing a best-in-class NIL program for the University of Miami. Fascinating job. Uh, and and you note with just the names there, I mean, you're talking about relationships not just internally, but with national and international brands. Uh, that's a lot to pull together. And you're also dealing with a lot of different sports. I mean, Miami, of course, famously, there was a uh, one of the NIL deals last year was that every scholarship athlete got an NIL payment as part of an NIL deal that they had signed. Uh, and I, we're, we've seen that at some other places as well, where they've tried to, to some degree, almost like deflect criticism about it by giving it to everybody. Right. Well, I laugh when I hear that job description because there's like, 10 different people that should be doing well right well it's kind, of, it's kind of like getting named a social media manager in 2011 and it's like oh by the way you're doing pr and you're doing marketing and you're doing all these other things and you, it, yeah no it's it is it is kind of hilarious that it's one position given all of the diff, different things going on in the mix it is because really when it comes to nil you just have to wear so many different hats and not everybody can wear those hats somebody who is good at negotiating deals is not necessarily going to come up with the most um you know, the best social media posts, right? Handling all of that. So again, as we were talking about this yesterday, I, I think that NIL is a really good pipeline for people who are in advertising and marketing in business. It really is a great place to kind of pool all those resources together. But I also think that schools need to be careful to try not to put too many responsibilities into one job description like Miami did, because you're, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody in this country that has even five years experience handling all well, of that. And, and the bandwidth and the managerial capacity internally to be able to manage all that stuff at once. I mean, it is a lot of work. Now, look, I, I do think that this is an area that, you know, now I think social media, a lot of times when that was being staffed, the attitude was, well, an intern could do this. I don't think that's going to be the case with this. And I, and I think for a lot of schools, they're going to realize that this is a much better place to put resources than, say, the compliance office, which is really the, the office that got the most increase in salaried workers in a lot of athletic departments across the country over the last seven or eight years. Like you went with compliance offices going from one person to four or five in some cases. I, I would not be shocked to see 
at a, several major universities, those positions getting moved over to the NIL office because that's really going to be the main spot where you have to be on your game as an athletic department if you're going to keep pace with things. It, absolutely, because again, there's a lot of different laws that are coming going to come into play besides um, right of publicity laws. So they're going to have their hands full. Last piece we wanted to talk about today, we teased this a little bit yesterday, but there was an announcement that the EA Sports video game, which is now scheduled to come out in 2024, has managed to figure out the licensing issue with college athletes and and their likenesses. This, of course, it's ironic. It's taken this long for the video game to come to fruition on in terms of like a group licensing agreement because, of course, the O'Bannon case largely started because of representation in video games and a lack of compensation. Um, in this case, the deal that was brokered is that there's a cash pool of about $5 million that will be paid out $500 per player. And there's a, it looks like a particular group, uh, one team is the name of the company, that's going to facilitate the essentially group licensing of these football players who are going to be in the game. It's a big task. I mean, you know, the, 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 the game historically has had about 70 slots on the roster and you've got 120 FBS schools that are in the game. I mean, you can do the math. That's, that's a lot of players to license. That's a lot of money. It's also not a lot of money in terms of overall amount. I mean, $500 pre-tax is not going to be a whole lot for somebody getting this, but it's a big step in terms of the fact that finally you're going to have a college sports video game where the athletes are in it. We acknowledge that they're in it and they're actually going to get compensated for it. Albeit, at, you know, certainly a lower level because of the collectivist nature of the distribution process than what you'd get if you were a star. Right, exactly. And, you know, group licensing is not something that you hear about very often in the right of publicity world. And it's a good thing to see. I think it's great. I think it's great that the game's going to come back. I know a lot of people who are already incredibly excited about it. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. You're going to have to go in as an athlete and have your your face scanned um, before you can be part of the game. You know, I, I laugh at the $500 because that's just under the IRS $600, um, you know, threshold. So I'm sure that that is part of the reason that played into it. But I think especially for the players that aren't going to receive a lot of NIL money or deals, this is a really great thing for them. This is a, an acknowledgement of the fact that, you know, there are a lot of athletes and not all athletes make it into collegiate sports. And this is a great way for them to be a part of it. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but yes, it's a lot of work to keep track of all of those deals, um, all of the payments. And so hats off to EA for figuring that out and um, being able to move that forward. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, it's, the the argument the NCAA always made that there were not actual likenesses of players in the games was patently ridiculous. I played the games avidly, you know this, uh, for years. It was, they were clearly analogs to existing players on the roster that were on the rosters. Uh, so I'm glad that things have finally kind of come full circle and we're able to have actual players in the games. Uh, it's it's nice that there's going to be at least something there for them, and we'll see how it goes. If the game's really popular, maybe those payouts increase over time. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for us. We're at our time limit. Olivia, we'll be back with more soon. Good talking with you as always. I hope you have a good rest of the day. 
Same, you too. Thanks to our sponsor, uh, Home Field Apparel, and thanks to our friends at the Back Home Network. This is the NIL Hotline. We'll be back soon with more NIL news and information. I'm Galen Clavio. Catch you folks on the flip side. So long, everybody.